The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Thunder Buddies and Travelers Down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. I'm your host, your troubadour on Thunder Road, bringing back for 2020, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined by my ever-faithful co-host, Lee Malone. Stagger Lee Malone, should I say. <laughs> Lee, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Shaking off the ring rust. We're back for 2020, our first regular program of the decade. Um, God, it's, it's, a new, it's a new decade, Jesus. Christ. It's a new decade, and we're still in the same half of the same year that we were in. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just about to tick over the halfway point of our, our first year of, um, of Thunder. Um, so the more things change, the more they stay the same, I think. Um, how have you enjoyed the... Because we did... So we did our Thundies two weeks ago. More on that in a couple of minutes. Um, and then before that, we did our, our Jericho Pick Your Poison, which mm-hmm. both of which I think we got tremendous feedback on, and I'm very happy with that. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a long old while since we watched some Thunder. Uh, how, how was your time off? Um, has it made you kind of relish getting back into the swing of things or has it made you realise this was a really dumb idea for a podcast I think this was the first time getting back into it that I went fuck this is dumb yeah yeah, it's been hard after the break like I know we said we were taking a a decent break for Christmas and we had the Jericho podcast so that kind of kept us busy and then the Tundies Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I found this a slow. Maybe maybe it's just yeah. so much going on in yeah. real life that yeah. it's kind of like it's hard. But yeah, getting back into the routine. I have to get back into the routine of watching my WCW at the weekends. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like in some ways, I think it w- it was nice to have such a long break. I think you know, um, not that like you know, in the grand scheme of things, as far as jobs you could do go, like watching an episode of Thunder every two weeks and talking about it isn't too bad but I think um, kind of feeling you have to kind of like especially at that kind of Christmas time of year when like things are very hectic for Mm -hmm. both of us I think you feel the burn a lot so I think even though we benefited in that way from taking some time off I think like you say um, getting rusty and getting out of the habit of it made it really tough and I think we'll talk about it on this show about how like there were several points in this show where I was like what the fuck is going on with these people oh yeah Um, I I had plenty of that I was like oh yeah this is still going on 
Yeah, like, it, it just goes to show, like, so much, and, and it's the same with, I remember from watching WWF as a kid around, like, 98, 2000 kind of time. It's like, so much happens, whether it's, like, good or bad, uh, on these shows, that, like, if you miss a few weeks, or you get out of the habit, like, you're way behind, you know? Um, and there are, we'll talk about it again, but there are some occasions on this show, I think, where they do a good job of catching us up on stuff, and then mm-hmm. there's other times they just do not. They just throw things um, at you. But, Lee, we talked about the Thundies last week's episode and our, our maybe kind of uh, unorthodox way of approaching our year-end awards. Instead of us deciding the mm-hmm. awards, we decided the nominees and then we enlisted the help of the Thunder Buddies, our listeners, uh, over at WCW Thunderpod to help us out and vote on winners in each category. And the results are in, I believe. They are in. All polls were put out they may not have been put out on time because like i say it's been a busy couple of weeks yeah yeah um but we did get them all out we got them all out got the results in last night and believe it or not because uh the thunder buddies are such amazing people yeah there is a couple of toys in the results Ooh. now i was thinking about this because one of the, the i i voted in a couple of them mm. just to see how the results were going and just for um, scientific reasons obviously yeah yeah i noticed that now it may, these may not be the topics that are still tied now but at the time i noticed a couple of ties and what is your take this is something we actually haven't talked about <laughs> what is your take on what we'll do in the event of a tie will we will we jointly award a thundy or oh no there has you, to be a winner okay so what what the, do you want to do this is american to... sports we have to have a winner there's no such thing as a tie well do you want to like flip a coin then or, or what do i you think we, do? we get final say Okay. Th- th- right. This is our show. Ooh. Okay. We get veto. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not big veto. That's that's a couple of years away I mean, yet. we should get big veto. We will. I think that's what we'll call this clause, the big veto. <laughs> we will call it the big veto. <laughs> we absolutely will. We absolutely will. <laughs> absolutely loving that. <laughs> okay. Hit me. The first okay. annual Thundies. So, the first annual Thundies. The first award... Biggest star. So the four options were Kevin Ash, who's your casual da, yep. Lex Luger, your gym da, mm-hmm. Scott Norton, your da, mm-hmm. and Team Beefy da, your three right. das. Okay. So this was one of the categories that had a toy. Ooh, a so tie. Scott Norton. I thought this was going to be decisive. Yeah, we. I really thought this was going to be like an out and out winner. Uh, Scott Norton and Team Beefy da both got thirty six percent. Ooh. That's a tough one now, Lee, um, to try and differentiate between because there, I can see arguments for both here. Uh, and let me let, let me lay them out to you here. I think for our podcast run, Team Beefy Da was the most iconic Da alignment. For the first couple of months, for sure. Yeah. And Scott Norton, I will say, a more consistent Da. He has outlived the reign of Team Beefy Da. Um, and in his own way, it's impressive that he can garner as much votes as three separate people. Um, well, I mean, what do you he, think he, on this one? He is the size of three separate people. This is true as well. He's a wedge <laughs> of a man. Um, I think there are awards. We have the big veto. I think we got Team Beefy Da. Okay, yeah, it's it's more on brand for us, I think, as a podcast mm-hmm. to go Team Beefy Da on this. So I'm, I'm absolutely happy with that decision. Uh, next category. Next category, biggest pop. 
So we had, we actually had a runaway winner in this category. Mm. The choices were Goldberg's first full intro. Right. Dean Malenko unmasks from being Cyclope. Mm -hmm. Sting wins the WCW title at Super Brawl. And Booker T's overall performance at Super Brawl. Okay. And to the surprise of no one, Dean Malenko wins with 62% of the votes. Dean Malenko winning a biggest pop award is a hell of an underdog story, let me tell you. Yeah. Well, 98 98 was a wild year in general. It certainly was, as we will discuss later. Um, <laughs> but uh, continue. Category number three uh, Best Spear. I think this Ooh. was a fun one. Yes. Um, so we had Mongo Goes Timber. Yeah. Which I think was your personal favourite. And, and, and it was the I think it was the first one, and it, it's yet to be topped in terms of um, comedy. We had Glacier leans in, which he just went full force for it. Yeah, Vincent taking an actual bump, <laughs> and the double spear on Barbarian and Hugh Morris. Yes. So this one was a close one. We had Glacier who came out the winner with thirty three percent. Oh. But Mongo and Vincent both got twenty four percent. Oh wow. Yeah, I think those those would be the three I would find like uh, I would find it quite hard to choose between. I think the the, the uh, two that finished in second place more for the comedy value. Yeah, yeah. But, Gla- sure. but I think Glacier just like throwing himself into the spear was Gla- Glacier might be the most badass of the spears. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I'm surprised that the 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 double spear didn't didn't now, go down it, better. It, it wasn't miles behind. It got 19% yeah. of the vote, but mm-hmm. you know, not too bad. it didn't really factor in in the end. Okay, hit me with the next one. Okay, another runaway clear winner in this one. Worst outfit. If the there was off- only one winner, wasn't oh, there? Oh, there really was only one winner. It's Bret Hart's cowboy outfit. Yeah. How much of the vote did it carry? 50%. Yeah, yeah. Clear winner. Like, nothing was going to come near it. Uh, second place was also Bret Hart with his Hogan t-shirt, so... Bret Hart not doing well in, this, in these awards. <laughs> He won't be walking the catwalks of Milan anytime soon anyway. <laughs> okay, next award. The Bobby Heenan Award for the best line on commentary. Yes. So we had Tony Schiavone screaming, he's going for the move. Yeah. We have Rick Rude's very earnest call of the best knee lift in the business. Mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan rejoicing in Hugh Morris being destroyed by screaming, you aren't laughing now, funny man. Yeah. <laughs> And Mr. H. Hogan and his yellow and, yellow and red Dodge Viper. Mr. Lee Marshall <laughs> with that magnificent call. Yeah. And the winner, not surprisingly, of the first ever Bobby Heenan Award was Mr. Bobby Heenan. Hey, that's, that, that's, yeah, that seems appropriate. Yeah. I think I think my favourite of those four might have been the Mr. H. Hogan. Because it's so stupid. It's so fun. But... Yeah, it's so thunder, but it, it's so appropriate that Bobby wins his mm-hmm. own award on, on the first time of asking. Yeah, so, it was yeah, it was actually that. close. It was twenty five percent to twenty nine percent for Mister H Hogan. Ooh, so it was a close one. Only a couple of votes in it. Um, next award, biggest night in the history of our sport in the days of Thunder era. So we had the Wolfpack arrives, Super Brawl eight, the Martial Arts Division is founded, and the rise of Goldberg. And again, not surprisingly, this is Days of Thunder. There was only one winner here. It's the martial yeah. arts division. Yeah, it is. Fifty percent yeah, of the vote in this one. Iconic. 
I want to thank the Thunder Buddies for this one because that was one I was leaning heavily for. Yeah. That was a that's a late Christmas present for us there mm-hmm. from the Thunder Buddies. Thank you very much. I would have been frankly disgusted if it hadn't won. Um okay, next award. We have the worst bump or spot. Okay. So there are some doozies in here. Yeah, there's a couple of ones in this one. Conan sits on Hoobie's head. Yeah. That's one I voted for that one. I I actually did vote in this category. Uh, The Giant Hogan choke nap. (laughs) Iconic. Horace Hogan or Kendall Windham actually selling. Yeah. And Brian Brian Adams, one cheek pile driver. Oh, the arse cheek pile driver. The most devastating move in sports entertainment. And not surprisingly here, we've got a tie. Oh. It was all just so bad it couldn't be separated. It's the choke nap. And the pile driver yeah. on thirty two percent. I'm happy with that. Those are my two. So I'm gonna leave this one up to you. You need okay. to you need to split your two. You get the big veto on this one. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't get any less funny. Um look, I think the choke nap so the choke nap was a thing for us for a couple of weeks on here. And I love it dearly. But I'm gonna go another way because Brian Adams has hit the one arse cheek pile. It wasn't a freak occurrence. He has hit it several times. Yeah. Uh, and probably several more times on Nitro and, and things like that. It, so It's repeated the, awfulness. That's that's why it wins. Yeah, For the fact that it's consistent awfulness, yeah. it, it's getting that. Because it's it's not just a singular bump. He just ha- either hasn't learned or doesn't intend to learn how to do a pile driver properly. So for that, I will give this one to Brian Adams. This is your favourite award of the year. The Large Man Appears Award. Ah. Oh. And you're going to love the results on this one. Oh, go on. Give, give us the nominees, so obviously. The, the nominees, Mortis and Canyon. Same person, shown up in disguise, even though we don't know what Canyon looks like. Yeah. <laughs> the fake nose. We have Reese, just appearing. Constantly. Mm-hmm. A couple of times. Yeah. Uh, the Disciple. And then AEW continues the tradition of The Large Man Appears. <laughs> they sure have. The Butcher, The Blade, Wardlow, who else? I feel like there's been one more at least. Oh, fucking Jake Hager. Yes, Hager. Um, okay, so I'm going to run down these in order of uh, where they finished. Oh, because, I love it. I love because it. you're going to love this. In last pos- position, we have The Disciple, yeah. 18%. Oh, see, what I love about that particular large man appearing is they seem to refuse to use his name for many weeks. I'd refuse to use his name for all of the weeks. <laughs> in third position, we have Mortis slash Canyon mm-hmm. with 23%. So we're down to Reese and AEW continuing the, the tradition. Oh, Dave, you're going to be very happy. Go on. Tony Khan is getting an award this year. Ah, big tone. <laughs> AEW win with 32% of the vote to 27% for Reese. Oh wow! This award obviously not endorsed by the ISPCA, uh, <laughs> but what can you do? Um, congratulations to AEW continuing a long, proud twenty-plus year tradition of the Large Man Appears Award, and I trust that our friends Jeffrey and Chris from uh, Boom Goes well the Dynamite will be keeping an eye, keeping abreast of any large man appearing in AEW and keeping that tradition going. I like that we have like a cross-podcast gimmick going on the PWO (laughs) network at this point. It's a great tradition and long may it continue. Yeah, I won't rest till every podcast on the network has noted large men appearing. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh god! Right, I'm next. talking to you through the years. <laughs> Who would be a large man in ROH? That's that's a question that's best left to the experts, my friend. Uh, what's our next category? <laughs> the thunderous moment of the year. Oh. And again, the celebrating uh, a, a moment that encapsulates everything that all makes that is... thunder thunder. Yes. So I'll run down the categories or the, the uh, choices here. We had DDP Raven TRL segment. That's all I need to say. We had D Buff Bagwell promo. Oh. We had Masked Mortis in Disguise. Yeah. And we had the Red and Yellow Mystery Viper. I am happy with this result. DDP and Raven run away with a yeah. 41% of the vote. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that TRL segment. I, I, re- I, I actually I want to go back and watch that one again. So much happens. <laughs> so much is implied. And it's also, because it's on TRL, it's got the random pointless celebrity mm-hmm. of, of Dave Grohl and Taylor Hawkins in the background that WCW is known for, generally speaking. So, uh, yeah, good stuff here uh, in that category. I'm happy with that A deserved winner, I, I think we, we can agree on. Thoroughly so. Okay, next one. We're into the serious awards now. Serious from here on out now. Best feud. Mm-hmm. We have DDP, Raven, Benoit. Mm-hmm. Kevin Ash versus Giant. Chris Benoit versus Booker T. And Chris Jericho versus the Cruiserweights. Yes. Dave, again... We're going to be very happy with this one. Chris Jericho, Le Champion. Oh. Our number one listener. He run- Le Capitan as well. He runs away with the award here. 46% of the vote. I say, oh, I say we're so. serious. This was one of the best comedy feuds of all time. Yes, indeed. Uh, and I, 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 thought- I think it would be remiss to not mention that uh, we now have an Irish Cruiserweight champion. Indeed, yes. Jordan Devlin. Continuing uh, on the tradition of... I think it's the same title, isn't it? Isn't it the same lineage? It has the. It, it, I, I think WWE claim that WCW lineage, yeah. Um, yeah, such proud champions as Chris Jericho, Hornswoggle, and now Jordan Devlin. Jacqueline Moore. Yeah, Jacqueline Moore. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Medusa. Yeah. Life, I, I was kind of surprised on this one because I thought maybe the, the Benoit DDP Ravenwood. Um, and I was all psyched to start talking about if they won this about how DDP deserves it because he had a match a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite and he's still wearing the rib tape. <laughs> it's those ribs. He just can't shake a rib injury. Oh my God. Just, you know, once you get, once you crack one, mate. That's it. That, that's it, like. Gone. You ready for the next category? Indeed. We are down to best talker. Oh. So, the choices here. Chris Jericho. Yeah. Kevin Ash. Mm-hmm. The Rick Rude Court Henning combination, oh. and Raven. This is a strong category. This is a strong category, and I am shocked at the result in this one. I think you're going to be too. Go on. It's Chris Jericho. Ooh. But not alone is it Chris Jericho. It's seventy-one percent of the vote for Chris Jericho. Oh. He oh. has run away with this one. That that is deservedly decisive. I would say. Yeah, I mean. I thought he'd win, but to win with the majority of the vote, like that's oh. the, the the Thunder Buddies have spoken on this one. What a man! What a man! Uh, you'll I I'd say in years to come it will be tough to top that margin of victory. It really will. Um, down to the last award. Oh, this is where we separate the large men from the large boys. It's wrestler of the year, Dave. Oh, 
your options were Chris Jericho, mm. Booker T, yes, DDP, mm-hmm. and Perry Saturn. He was mm-hmm. our vanity pick. Yes. So we'll run them down for, in the results. Yeah. Saturn finished in fourth place with ten percent. No shame. I would. I would have expected that. Yeah, no shame in that at all. Like we said, pure vanity pick. We're going to have to mention who finished first because there was a tie in second and third. Yeah. In first position, I think we may as well just change the name of the show to Days of Jericho because he's done it oh. again. Oh my God. He's got he's got the double. Triple. The triple. Oh, he has. He's Fe- got the triple. Feud talker oh and wrestler of the year, Chris Jericho. My God, what a tour de force this man has. I mean, we've said it for weeks. We say it every week. He is the highlight yeah. of the show. Yeah. Ah, uh, tremendous job. I, ex- I, I expect I, him to mention now that he's a three-time Tundee winner. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Do the full Owen on it. We need to get those statues made and posted to him <laughs> if he's off the boat yet. Um, he probably yeah, still thinks he's on the boat because, you know, he's been drinking. Yeah. C- congratulations to all our winners. I had a blast doing this. Yeah. I, I definitely, for something we came up uh, like relatively late on in the process. I, I will uh, say I got a, a bit of stick off... Um, Mr. Rich Craich for calling them the first ever or first annual Thunder Awards Thunder Awards yeah he got annoyed at the uh, phraseology of it it should be the inaugural ah Tundies. so that's why you that's why you changed the name yes. on the ah I, I, see. I got scalded by my dad yeah Rich holding your feet to the fire on that one yeah. fair play to him we're being uh, we're being uh, schooled raised right by the grizzled podcasting vets <laughs> um, yeah um, no, this, this was a blast i we're definitely going to do this at the end of every calendar year. Oh yes, absolutely. It'll be a night. It's our it's our nice kind of um, even if we don't have a pick your poison every Christmas, it'll be nice to have this as our kind of holiday special. So yeah, I like that. But like um, AEW, we are going to wipe the slate clean. It's the beginning of a new year now. Oh yeah, new year, new six months. Um, Lee, it's time finally to get into some WCW, which means it's our first beverage of twenty twenty. You, you say first. Okay, well, our first podcast official beverage. I've gone for two whiskeys for tonight. Oh, wow. <laughs> now, is it is it double in the same glass? Oh, no, no, no. Two you... separate whiskeys, which are, <laughs> are questionable sizes. Are you just, like, double fisting them? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good stuff. Yeah, so... He takes a whiskey drink and another whiskey drink. <laughs> um... I've gone with the old reliable. I've gone with a sudden comfort and a line. Okay. That that's my that's, personal favourite. That is your jam. And then I've gone for I've gone for some Liffy water. I've gone with a Teelings single malt. Oh, I love a Teelings. Oh, Teelings. I love it's a Teelings. Gorgeous whiskey. I got a Teelings gift set before Christmas for myself. <laughs> it was like it, what happened was it was right before Christmas, and I was going in picking up a, a gift set for my partner. She was getting it for somebody in work, a gin gift set. And it was like right before Christmas, so they were reducing all of them. Mm. And there was this Teelings gift set that had a bottle of Teelings, um, two Teelings whiskey glasses, um, for like proper, just like a measure of whiskey, not like uh, not a big tall whiskey glass for like a whiskey sour or anything mm. like that. Um, and like in this lovely tin case that, uh, for like thirty one euro uh, or something like that. Man, so I couldn't walk away from that kind of value. If you had to show me that, I would have sent you like. 90 euro to get me three of them <laughs> damn well, well I'll, keep, I'll keep an eye out 
I'll let you know. Yeah, that was it was a really good offer. Um, I myself am going uh, with a beer. Uh, I I had posted just before Christmas that I'd gotten a, a or no, I had posted just before uh, the Thundies episode that I'd gotten a new Bonanza. So I'm going courtesy of the Wild Beer Company. I'm going with their fresh beer, which is uh, an extra pale with citrus hops. So uh, as we're warming up here, allow me to. Uh, pour that one so it doesn't spill all over me as has happened before yeah it's alright you'll just edit that out though yeah (laughs) oh yeah it's only if beer spills on you that we leave it in that's podcast (laughs) canon my friend (laughs) pouring this bad boy out now and I will take a sip oh I'll tell you it's got a lovely lovely colour of like a bitter oh I can smell the the lemon off it from here Mm. oh that's very nice mmm it's actually spread. It's a five point five, but it's it's quite light. I like that. Yeah, you're a fan uh, of the uh, citrus. I am. I had a lovely. Uh, I was at the mm. the Sugar Club in Dublin, going to see. Um, there's a there's a documentary that, that, about that, the. That's a bit ironic for you, isn't it? Going to the Sugar Club. I know, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's um, there's a documentary about the cult TV show Brass Eye called Offside Ghosts. That has so much like libelous and cut material in it that they they don't actually release it on DVD or anything like that. It's literally just you have to go to see the film when the director is bringing it into town, sort of thing. Um, so I went to it last year and I went to it this year as well, and I had a gorgeous pint of Hugarden at it, the uh, the the Belgian citrusy classic. Yeah, that's very nice beer. Mm. And this one will go down almost as smoothly, but not quite. Um, let's get into it, Lee. Great American Bash 1998 is what we're here to talk about. June 14th, 1998, coming to you from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, this is what this is WCW country, Baltimore. It, it certainly is. And it's also uh, the wire country. So two equally bleak uh, <laughs> pop culture entities. Um, to start us off, Lee, uh, I saw you tweet about this. Uh this opening video package was fucking horrendous. Yeah, as you shared uh, so kindly on the timeline, I almost quit the podcast. Yeah. Such was the the disgust I had for turning on WCW for the first time in a month and getting met with this video package. It was like an America-themed hype package via gangster rap and horror movie tones with like... Just enough footage of wrestlers that you knew it was a wrestling show, but all of it was so disconnected and random that you had no idea what you were supposed to get hype for. Have you ever seen the awful Die Hard 4? Die Hard 4.0, yes. yes. And with uh, t- with Tim Olafantastic himself yes. as, uh, as Thomas Gabriel. And you know the package that he plays on all the news stations about yes. taking over things and blah, blah, blah. That's mm. what this opening package reminded me of with the uh, yep. American music the you know it's not the national anthem is it it's um, I can't remember the name of the song that they play over but basically that kind of fading in and out in the background with the black and white shots and American flags waving slowly and it was all just very fucking it was it was tonally all over yeah. the place um, I mean it, was, it, terms... it wasn't quite playing Winston Churchill over footage of an Austrian man surrounded by Germans but 
no, not quite that far in terms of the subtlety hammer, but not 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 million miles off. What do you think about the the setup here of the Baltimore Arena? Uh, I felt this felt like one of those kind of rah rah USO shows uh, that that you have in 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 like war, where you know they come out to to jit up the troops with a little bit of a light entertainment show. Them Bob Hope, felt yeah, Bob jokes. Hope, Bob Hope, or Captain America, or some shit, or like the Rockettes. Um. Yeah, it felt very kind of low effort to me. The like American bunting on the guardrails. Yeah, yeah not, I didn't, not much I didn't effort. Hate it now. I didn't hate it, but compared to like a, a spring stampede uh, or something like that, um, it felt a little bit not as bad as uncensored. Um, it, to me, it was tri- tribute for the troops when it was no longer in Iraq. Yeah, the building was weird as well because it was clearly like a purpose built like. It looks like a gig venue because mm. you can see that the the stage is literally a stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can see the awning and the the, the ceiling on the stage mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was a little bit odd. Um, today, Brain and Tony open us up. They're hyping the, the the kind of idea of the tag match, and it's the unity of Hogan and his subordinate Bret Hart unity. versus the the unity. Yeah. this this combination that have never been a team. Yeah, indeed. Versus the chaos of a Savage and Piper, um, who are they're they're set to explode at any minute. Uh, the lads then cut to Gene, who God bless Gene, mean Gene Okerlund, God rest his soul. He does about as good a job as anybody could do trying to explain why Giant is wrestling Sting in a singles match for tag team titles. Yeah, I just marked this down as mean Gene mansplaining the uh, the tag team title match. Yeah, but do you know what? Like, if you had missed that one episode of Thunder, like, you would need it explained to you in this way. Like, I saw this episode of Thunder, and because I took the couple of weeks off, I was like, what? 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 Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I, like, I appreciate Like, we took those two weeks off where all of a sudden everyone was in the NWO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This feels like, do you know that gap that, that Thunder took of the two weeks mm. that we had, and we had no idea what was going yeah. on? That's what it feels like. That's what like. it was, yeah. Um, so back to the guys at the booth down there talking up the best of seven series which is going to open us up here and we have to say this is match number eight in the best of seven series match match eight of seven in the best of seven series good old WCW and Brain is mentioning that Booker is working hurt Uh, he said that uh, Booker was an extra half hour in the trainer's room working on his hurt knee Mm -hmm. so you know this may play into things later who knows kids <clears throat> so yes but Benoit versus Booker T best of seven series final redo winner gets Finley for the TV title later tonight um, we get the two guys out the, the, the crowd seems pretty hot and uh, for the most part of the show they stay hot so I, I, I like the, the Baltimore crowd get a bit of a thumbs up mm-hmm, here from me for sure yeah um, arm drag and hold exchanges early uh, Booker takes a hit and then rolls out and Brain says this is him trying not to show his weakness he's been kind of the intensity of Benoit is a bit much for him when he's not 100% but by rolling out the ring and taking a breather he's, he's not kind of showing his weakness too much I, I think it was at the stage isn't there he, he roll out and kind of he shakes his knee just very slightly yeah and, just kind of um, like loose, try to loosen it up he, a bit or something Heenan says like he's favouring his knee but he doesn't want Benoit to notice so he looks at his elbow yeah, and I just I, I just really, thought that was a really good a bit of analysis. Like it, I don't know if that idea came from Heenan just observing this behavior, or it came from Booker saying this is what I'm going to mm. do or what. But this is like one of those really nice little bits of subtle storytelling that some of the better guys in this company are doing. Yeah, he, like Heenan is still good at this stage. 
yeah, no, one of the best to ever do it, that's for sure. Uh, the match is it's fairly closely matched earlier on until um, and I read it again in terms of psychology and things making sense why somebody would get on top in a match. Um, it's very closely matched until all of a sudden Benoit hits a couple of fucking deafening chops. Um, that clearly because of Booker's expert selling of the job. Mm. Um, takes the wind out of him, and and this is this is Benoit's chance. He sees the opportunity to go on top in this match. Um, Booker tries on several occasions uh, during the heat spot to fight back, but Benoit's kind of assertive viciousness keeps the pressure on him, doesn't give him a chance to get up. And even though Benoit is beating him, and this is something that we can recall from previous matches in the series, no matter how much Benoit is kind of intensely beating on Booker, he can't get him to stay down mm-hmm. for a pin. Yeah, no, it, this. The match—it's it, so simple. It is just Benoit basically beating down Booker, but he just can't keep him down. Like no matter what he does, he just yeah. Booker has this fight that just won't give up. And yeah. it's so simple. Like the Benoit is still a babyface. Like the fans still mm-hmm. cheer Benoit. He's not this vicious heel. He's he's assertive. He's not you know yeah. horrible. And, and something else that I really like here is that when Booker does eventually fight back. You know, in a normal match, it'd be like he'd get a little bit of a heat spot and then maybe he'd work some holes or something mm-hmm. like that. But what makes perfect sense here is Booker knows he's weakened, knows Benoit's on top. So when he gets an opportunity, he's not like just hit, you know, trying to grab a hold or, or trying to work him down slowly. Or he's hitting the high impact yeah. moves. So at a certain point, he makes a big rally back and he goes straight for the spine buster. He goes for the flapjack and then immediately goes for the missile drop kick. Yeah. Benoit's still a bit fresher, <clears throat> blocks him, uh, and hits him with a hu- an enormous superplex. Yeah, um, um, like like you like you say, there's no like waste of motion for Brooker. Brooker just goes for his big big moves, his his killer yeah. moves, shall we say? And yeah. the fact that Benoit was just that bit fresher. Um, there's also a super near fall off a uh, dragon suplex. Yes, this is this is my next thing. And I think this is my favorite, one of my favorite mm-hmm. spots of the whole night is that Benoit hits his. So you know, it's it's the thing he does the three German suplexes and pins you on the third. Um, he hits two of his German suplexes. Booker knows the third is coming and counters it, yeah. and in the process of countering it, gets countered into a dragon suplex pin combination. And I mean, loved. It. I know they have like the snap dragon as a big move at the moment. Yes, yeah. snap on this dragon suplex, and then to hold the bridge, is just. Mm. Oh, I can't say how enough how good Chris Benoit was. Yeah, yeah. It was just and like Booker as well. You know what I mean? Like it, it takes two to tango oh, for sure. here for sure. Um, and like you know, Benoit wasn't just having this match with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes back to chops in the corner after the kick out. Uh, Benoit signals for the headbutt, which he hits. Um, the the, the height he, on the headbutt, Jesus. Yeah. He, he's slow to try and get over to Booker to, uh, to cradle him. Booker hits an inside cradle for two because, again, this is like he's mm-hmm. weakened. He's been hit with the headbutt. He's he's kind of striking out to try and get the pin. And an inside cradle is, is kind of one of the best ways he can manage it at this point. Um, that's a two count. He gets uh, he manages to push Benoit into the turnbuckle. This was class. This, the finish of this match yeah, was class. Really was. So he pushes him into the turnbuckle. Harlem sidekick to the back of the head and then to the front of the head. 
because you need to over because like putting over that you need to overkill Benoit mm. to put him down uh, for three. Yeah, I mean, as you were saying, like the, the finish of the match, like it all happens so suddenly. It's like thirty to forty five seconds. He hits, pushes him into the corner, hits the two side kicks, missile drop kick, and it's over. It like just tells the story so well that well Benoit dominated that Booker just has this this sudden um, sudden offense that can just take over and just end the match like that. Yeah, it doesn't. It didn't outstay its welcome. No, nope. uh, the the finishing stretch. It didn't try hard. Something I I'm getting really that that's really getting on my nerves in in 2019, 2020, uh, in wrestling is the idea of the forced epic. I believe is the term I've heard. Um, something that the indies and NXT in particular mm-hmm. are quite guilty of is that you try so hard to have a good match with your false finishes and stuff like that that you actually forget to have a good match in the process. Um, and it gets very frustrating at times. This wasn't 10 minutes of near falls and kicking out of increasingly ridiculous super finishers. This was like... Um, did Benoit ever properly lock in the crossface? Nope. That was protected no. here as well. Yeah, and uh, Booker hit the missile drop kick once well, and it was the, the win. Like I said, you know? the, the dragon suplex was really the only near fall. Like Booker went for the missile drop kick and missed. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was... Um, I, I would say... I'm glad that Booker, who's pulling double duty for what the second pay per view in four months, five months, mm-hmm. yeah, he actually gets a rest in between these two matches. Yeah, that it wasn't just like stra- I, I and I was convinced after the last one that it was going to be like straight into mm-hmm. match number two. Um, but yeah, it was good that he got a bit of a breather. I maybe got to put like a cold towel on his head or something like that to to cool down after this one. Uh, but yeah, an excellent match. Um, next, we're in the internet location with Chavo. Uh, and he's insisting in there that Eddie does want to fight him, even though uh, Staggerly making his sole appearance on the pay per view is uh, trying to insist mm-hmm. that no, he obviously doesn't want to fight you. He's trying to duck you. Uh, our next match is Saturn versus Canyon. Uh, Saturn are, comes are, out. Are we sure this was Canyon? Uh, well, this is what I was going to say. Saturn comes out, and then out comes a man who's very clearly not Canyon and may in fact have been Eddie Dennis. That's the pride of Wales, Eddie Dennis. Yeah, it was just it was so reminiscent of him coming out of that takeover with the dragon helmet on, because like this Mortis that wasn't Mortis, like he wasn't as beefy as Chris Canyon, so he looked kind of like a school teacher. Yeah, like a lanky principal. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's it. Was kind of like. It was very clearly not him, and then Canyon jumps him from the back, at which point Tony is just so impressed, and he's calling him the master of disguise and deception, which I thought was laying it on entirely too thick. Ah, no, he's like a Scooby-Doo villain. Yeah, this is, yeah. He's like, um, do you know what he's like? Is Are you an Arrested Development guy? No. Okay, well, for those Arrested Development fans out there, basically Canyon is Gene Parmesan. Um the private detective in Arrested Development who is in uh, increasingly ridiculous disguises that continuously fool Lucille Bluth. And in this in, in this instance, yes, Tony Schiavone is Lucille Bluth. Thank you very much for coming to my TED Talk. Um, the flock comes out fairly quickly at the start of this match and Canyon sees them off. Saturn finally gets his offense going then after this. Uh, Nick Patrick chucks the flock out as the lads are brawling outside the ring. The match is back and forth and I will say... Uh, it's pretty decent for the most part but I think after the incredible hot opener to this pay-per-view 
I was finding it very hard to kind of get invested in the match. I was watching it, but I feel like it wasn't all sinking in in the same way. Dave, I have notes on this match and I don't remember watching it. I, yeah. I said to you I turned off the pay-per-view after the first match because yeah. I thought the third match was in fact the second match. It wasn't. There was this match, which <laughs> less than 24 hours after I watched it, I had no memory of. Yeah. It, that says it, was, it all about this match, I think. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with it. No, it was a good match. It like, yeah. like there was it had everything you'd want in a Canyon Saturday match. Mm. It just nothing is memorable in it. Yeah. Um the the two lads spill off the top rope to the outside when all of a sudden two mortises or would you say morti? What would be the 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 morti. Okay, yes. The two morti. Oh, I'm show was a couple of ricks. Yeah. <laughs> the uh Rick and Morti indeed. Um the uh the two morti show up and just begin fighting each other and Lee, I was talking about how the crowd was hot in the first match. They fucking died a death at this. I mean, who would want to see two Eddie Dennis's fight? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> absolutely. Um, the the crowd just they so died and like they. Oh my god! One of the saddest things in the whole night was Tony and the lads bending over backwards to try and explain what was going on here. I don't know how they thought this would be clear to people without an explanation, but they fucking did. Um. They, they explain that basically, um, uh, what is it they say? So Canyon must have sent one of the Morti and the flock sent the other. And that's why they're fighting because they weren't, the one Mortis wasn't expecting the second Mortis. They all had the same Mortis idea. Yeah. And at this point, my head just hurt. So we have <laughs> Mortis in the ring who's Canyon. Yeah. Well, Mortis is in the ring fighting Mortis that isn't Canyon. Yeah. And the commentary you're just talking about Mortis. This was... I, I can see in their head that they thought this might be cool. Remember fake Kane? Wasn't. Yeah, yeah. This is fake Kane. Like, if the Master of Disguise thing was in any way believable, this shell game of which Mortis is the real one might have come off better. I, I really wish they had done the Spider-Man pose. Oh, yes. Oh, that would have been great. Um... Canyon, so like the, the Canyon wins this match anyway, uh, and one Mortis lays him out then with the even flow and reveals himself to be in fact Raven. He then berates Saturn until Saturn attacks him, and then the flock rushes the ring and Raven bails out, uh, but Saturn rallies and cleans the house of the flock. Um, I thought the match, like I said, it was bang average, but the finish was just horrendous, I thought. Yeah, no, like like I say, the match was fine as a match, technically. Nothing memorable. Yeah. The finish was trash. The Mortai were trash. The stuff with the flock was... Like, I haven't hated the whole story going, like before this, but maybe it's because I haven't watched in a couple of weeks. I'm just like, mm. this is trash. It's just, yeah. it didn't hold me at all. And like I say, I forgot about it within 24 hours. Absolutely. There's a, a flashback then to Thunder, uh, the segment where Jericho, uh, or not Jericho, sorry, Malenko surrendered the Cruiserweight title to Bell, to JJ so that he could get his hands on Chris Jericho this Sunday at the Bash. We should, uh, we should clarify, he gave up the Cruiserweight title. He is still Martial Arts Division Champion. 
oh, you, you can't relinquish that. It's a, it's less of a title and more of a calling, the Martial Arts Division <laughs> Championship. Uh, nothing short of the grave itself can take that belt off you, my friend. Um, so now we have Jericho Valenko for the Cruiserweight and Martial Arts Division Championships. Uh, my opening two observations in this match, Lee, Jericho's jacket, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Incredible scenes yeah. on this jacket. How would you describe it? I just love the uh, full face on the back with the gr- drawn on goatee because Jericho had obviously decided the week before the pay-per-view he was going to grow a goatee. Yeah, and look, he drew it considerably fuller than he was able to grow it in yes. time. Um, and it's this redi- it's just it's so pompous I love it then Jericho's 1004 holes tights mm-hmm. loved it he actually has a role model uh, logo on his jacket as well ah oh, it's so good great stuff from the Paragon of Virtue kicking off 2020 with some great Jericho stuff you love to see it the, the Tundies uh, wrestler of the year and he just continues yeah. on continues apace um, one thing I really like about this so the, the thing that's about the comedy heel or, or the heel character is the heel character always has to get their comeuppance it's just how storytelling is supposed to work and Jericho is right up there with the best when it comes to finally getting their comeuppance mm-hmm. um, because this match very early on is just Malenko torturing and stretching Jericho and so satisfied to do it big delighted head on him as he's doing it and all the while Jericho the only word you can think of is shrieking yes uh, while he sells just like he's, he's just one step short of sobbing like he was in that backstage segment last month yeah no Jer- Jericho is like he, Dean Milenko will never be this over again yeah and it's hard to not argue that a lot of it is down to Chris Jericho I would love to know what the relationship between the two men is because obviously like the two of them work in AEW mm-hmm. and in one of the greatest uh, callbacks in pro wrestling history during the uh, the Jericho Cody match he had a brief standoff with Dean Malenko at ringside who yeah. was one of the judges I lost my goddamn mind mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to know how kind of friendly they are with each other and like because obviously the two of them played a, a, like a crucial role in each other's careers because I would say this is one of the Obviously, like you said, it's Dean Malenko is never more over no. than he is during this feud. But I would also say this is one of the foundational feuds the for Chris Jericho. Jericho. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like we talked about Pick Your Poison about how he had like notable matches before this, obviously. Mm-hmm. And even before it got into the Dean Malenko part of this feud with the Cruiserweights, he was still doing great stuff, like when he was against Quasi Juice and stuff like that. But um, this is, I, I think, one of the early times where it kind of becomes undeniable that this guy is going to be a star and should probably already be one. Like, I would say this is when he learned to work the character stuff in into a serious yeah. feud. Yeah, I think, was it in his um, was it in his first book where he was talking about it? Because he was, like, in that slot on the card, like, Bischoff and the rest, they, like, kind of just didn't give a fuck. Didn't care, and yeah. Kind of just let him run mm-hmm. away at whatever he was doing. And, like... Which is why a lot of the, the stuff with Goldberg that, that we will yeah, talk yeah. about and and led to genuine heat between the two men came from a place of him just fucking about and seeing what he could get away with. 
Um, so it'd be interesting. I might actually start rereading that book to 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 chime in with some stuff uh, about that when we get to it because it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point in this match, um, I will say this match was so excellent uh, on a technical level that I kind of forgot to take notes for a lot of it. So I'm kind of jumping around here. Um, at one point, Jericho essentially rolls out of Malenko's guard, and uh, with all the fire he can muster, Malenko, um, he he's he's. What is it? He's does he have him in the walls in the lion tamer, or what does he have him in? That, like, like a Boston this, crab, they, a Boston crab. Yeah, they kind of differentiate because it wasn't quite the lion tamer. It was yeah, he didn't have the high angle yeah. on it, uh, and with, with all the the kind of like fire that Malenko has in his belly, he does like the military crawl mm-hmm. on his elbows to the ropes, and it's the most intense crawling on your elbows you're like he's proper slapping the mat with his elbows yeah like i got yeah. the, i got the sense that like it wasn't like he was desperate for the ropes this was more yeah. like i'm pissed and i'm getting to this rope break and i'm gonna fuck you up like it was that kind of yeah. like i'm getting these yeah. ropes and you're not stopping me i'm not fucking about yeah. uh dean makes a comeback as you say he attempts the cloverleaf the crowd goes ape shit as soon as he goes oh my for God, it. the pop for the cloverleaf cloverleaf yeah. attempt um but Jericho makes it to the ropes. He gets into the corner and Jericho mouths off Boris Malenko again. And the only way I can describe what follows next is that Dean Malenko goes full Zinedine Zidane in the 2006 World Cup final. I had he, I had he went Ken, full Ken Shamrock. <laughs> yeah. He just saw red, attacks Jericho, they bail to the outside, cracks him with a chair, the bell rings, they brawl up the ramp, through the back and into the parking lot. Um, over the course of a couple of minutes as Doug Dillinger the world's most useless man who is supposed to be head of security is just kind of walking beside them and every so often says things like hey now mm-hmm. just not like you know if you're head of security and this is happening dudes are brawling out into the car park you're you're getting in between them right I mean like that's that's what you should be doing it seems to be a thing with heads of security what was the uh, guy in the WWF with the uh, leather cap Oh, I can never think of his What's name. What's his name? Oh, this is going to annoy me. I don't know his name. You know the guy. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll see if I can look it up. Um, but between him and Doug Dillinger, they have to be the worst heads of security you'll ever find anywhere. It. Oh, yeah. It's just like, oh come on, break it up. Yeah, like just, just kind of walking along beside them. Jim Dodson. Jim Dodson. That's his name. I think there was like. You know, schoolyard rumours at one stage that he was supposed to become, like, Stephanie's personal security and he was always supposed to be getting involved in storylines. He was, uh, he was Mr. Tennessee in, in bodybuilding. Of course he was. There you go. Um, I'm guessing Lawler, any, Lawler was his in. Uh, this, this segment ends fantastically. Yes. Um, as, so, Dillinger is there being useless and attempts to, <laughs> attempts to kind of lecture them into stop fighting. And as, Dean Malenko is momentarily distracted by Doug Dillinger. Jericho runs across traffic down the street and into the building across the road. <laughs> <laughs> like, as he was doing it, going across the track, like, he, he kind of, he's running across, the camera isn't following him. No. So you're you're just seeing, the bit where he goes across traffic is happening entirely in the background. It doesn't focus on him until he's nearly in the building across the road. And I'm watching this going, when are they going to cut it off? When are they going to cut it off? And they just don't. It keeps going and it's brilliant. It's like unintentional humour because, like you say, it's just in the foreground you have Dillinger and Malenko kind of having a little conversation. And in the background, Jericho is still running. And it must be a good 
like I say, 30 seconds. And he just uh-huh. runs and runs until he does actually <laughs> go into the building. Yeah. It's great. It's sensational. And we should say um, that Chris Jericho is Cruiserweight champion? Wait, Maybe. Wait, this is the thing. They mentioned this in the next segment. They're just like, we, we don't know. <laughs> he won the match. Yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, because like... And it, I, I think you this know, is now a good time for us to establish the rules on the martial arts division. There's no disqualification in martial arts. That's what I was going to say. It, it's the kumate. It's a, it's, a, it's a fight to a finish or until one man can't stand no more. So I'm saying Dean Malenko retains the title. I was going to go the other way. I was going to say Jericho became champion because he won the match. No, I'm not having the martial arts division. Like, I love Jericho, but I'm not having that title change hands on a disqualification. I, I, I've got a... Do you know what? In between episodes, let us know how you feel. I, 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 Thunder Buddies. At WCW Thunderpod. I feel like something as sacrosanct to us as the martial arts title shouldn't change hands on a disqualification. So are you saying because... Malenko may have lost a match the fact that he kicked Jericho's ass enough that he ran away he should stay as champion if anything we should make up another belt and give it to him <laughs> he was dis- he was disqualified what? for kicking too much ass and if that isn't martial arts as hell I don't know what is what are we WWE just making titles yeah yeah um, next up Lee we have uh, a Juventud Guerrero video package what in the fuck was this this was amazing. That's what this was. <laughs> this was one of the best packages ever put together on a wrestling show. I describe what did I say about this? I I described this uh, on our Twitter uh, when I watched this yesterday. Um, hold on now. Um, I haven't. Yes, I described this as the "I am very sexy and have many interesting thoughts" video package. It was, it was Hoovy in the sun. Uh, presumably, I, I'm assuming the inference is in, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Just in his, in his, like, street clothes. In his, he's wearing sunglasses, wasn't he? He had the black sunglasses, the tight black yeah. t-shirt. Yeah. The mandatory big silver cross. Yeah. The hair was flowing. Oh, the, the the jet black long hair. Yeah. This and this he was, was he, he was ninety WCW's nineteen ninety eight Antonio Banderas. Yeah, he was walking around the place contemplating life. Just just thinking about things. Look, sometimes thinking about how handsome he was. Looking at the clouds. Sometimes just thinking about stuff and things. Why is the sky blue? Ah, uh, my mouth and it 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 it. it, it is worth noting as well all to an underscore of flamenco guitar this was magnificent this was like you know in the late 90s early 2000s it was like the video dating where people would do like vignettes of of themselves you know this is why you should give me a call and date me and they'd send it into the service and it would be sent that, out. this was like that, episode... that was like early 90s wasn't it uh, well, I, I'm trying to think when that episode of The Simpsons where Ned Flanders did it after Maud died was. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, Homer got all the sneak shots of him taking his shirt off. <laughs> and it was like he was doing star wipes and stuff like that. Yeah, I actually I remember that the video. Now, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I want to say that was late 90s. Um, but yeah, when that was all the rage, that's it reminds me of that. This is his like kind of video dating profile. Um, my God, what a video package. This I was trying to find anywhere on the Internet that has clipped this video and I can't. Um, somebody, I'm, somebody, please, please clip yeah, this because please clip this and send it to the us. The world deserves to see this. We we will absolutely put this on the Twitter or or I, I will go out my way to create a YouTube channel for us to put this on if we can get it clipped. <laughs> my God, this needs to see the light of day, let me tell you. Um, speaking of Hoovy, um, we've got our next match. Hoovy versus Reese. My notes in the margin here say, why God, why? Um, because one is big and one is small. I had forgotten this was a feud. This was, this uh, was Shorty G versus Seamus. Yeah, Hoovy was coming out in the last couple of thunders and attacking Reese because he's big reasons. Yeah, um, Brain at the start recommends the strategy of punching Reese in the knee. I thought this was really funny because what this did, like, I love Brain and I know Brain tries to break down and think of strategies and, and why you know little guy versus big guy isn't a foregone conclusion. But to be honest, all it did was draw attention to Reese's massive knee braces to me. The man struggled to walk. Yes. Like, I don't um, know if you noticed, it, on his entrance, he almost fell over. Yes. And, like, he was a unit of a man. This is not... I, I'm not shocked that motion was difficult and he was he was carrying a bit extra. Can, can I just say, um, I would much rather if this was Diete against Hoovy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Hoovy suckers him outside the ring, attempts a plancha, Reese catches him and slowly walks him into the ring posts. <laughs> Like with the ginger, the gingerly walk of a man who's trying to put Hoovy to sleep for his afternoon nap. It wasn't. It um, wasn't quite as bad or egregious as the choke nap, but it was fairly bad. Yeah, it was a, roughly a similar speed. Um, Hoovy is attacking the knees, as Brain had suggested, and the it's just the big dumb giant King Kong trying to swat him off. Um, Hoovy jumps off uh, the top onto his back and attempts to choke him out Reese backs him into the turnbuckle it's every giant versus little guy spot you've ever seen uh, here's I, I was it's bothered me since Reese appeared rightly that he looks like something and uh, this match went on I don't like the way you say something and not someone yeah yeah this match went on about a hundred years too long it did uh, so I had plenty of time to think about it what he looks like, and follow me on this one, Lee. I'm bringing you on a trip back to the 90s here, to around this time. He looks like what would happen if Steve Blackman, mm-hmm. right, took that stuff that mutated the monsters in Space Jam. See where I'm going with that? Jesus. I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. He, I, the, I, he does. Now I'm just trying to imagine a faction of these guys. Yeah, or for the you know for the young whippersnappers, the the kids of twenty 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 that are, Jam 2. are listening to us today. It's no okay, yeah, Space Jam two. No, it, it's like if um, if Steve Blackman was a Gigantamax Pokemon, is is where I was going to go with that. Um, My God. So yeah, hang on, if, hang on, hang on. You can't just say that. I now want a faction of these guys. Yeah. I want wrestling's version of the monsters. What if? Oh wait, no, 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 no! I've got a better one. What if, in like a stable of Steve Blackmans, like sort of Steve Blackman, there, there's Reese, 
which is like Steve Big Man. Um, and you could get like a really small one as well, like a mini uh, oh, Steve Blackman. Dave. And then, and then they could do like Russian nesting doll spots. <laughs> You'd have to get like African-American Blackman. Yeah. What would you call the stable? That's a good question. Oh, the lethal weapons. The wor- oh, the lethal weapons. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh. I mean, it's better than that other lethal weapons with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, right? So if you just do Steve Blackman and Reed, you can call them lethal weapon too. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, lethal weapon too. <laughs> Guys, this match was bad. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, you'd have to, the oh, do you know what you call the small one, Joe Pesci? Oh, you could, you could, or you could just get Joe Pesci to do it. Still, <laughs> <Little> Joe. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh so how, how yeah. are we not booking someone? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Give us the book, somebody. Bring back courage. Give us the oh, book. Jesus, don't mention the war. <laughs> um. <laughs> At this point in my notes, I wrote, why is this match going on so long? The logic of the match completely falls about, uh, uh, apart as Reese gets a chair, to which Brain, who is obviously ticked off with this because he can't se- he can't sell this, is just going, ah, yes, always use a chair when the man is 300 pounds lighter than you. I love them. Lodi is giving Reese wrestling tips at one point. And yeah, I, well, someone and I can't to. help but feel that that's like the blind leading the blind. Yeah. To be fair, I would trust man that doesn't wrestle over that particular man um, crowd and commentary see somebody run out and start popping and get immediately distracted, uh, distracted. Hooby jumps off the top and Reese grabs him in a powerbomb position at which point Van Hammer appears, waffles him with a chair Hoovy covers him and beats the giant goof I have one question at the end of this match is it about Steve Black? No <laughs> and I don't want to hear it <laughs> no one is <laughs> I just have to know or a rough estimate. Just how much coke did Hoovy and Van Hammer do together that night? Oh, Jesus. All of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely all of it. Absolutely. Absolutely all of it. Don't forget, Van Hammer was um, employed by WCW till the end. Yeah. What a worker. Uh, Chavo versus Eddie is up, is up next. And Chavo's coming out and doing his worked madman bit. Uh, shouting into the camera on the way down. It just came off weird. Um, chop exchanges started this match and then the guys are kind of rolling around the match. Uh, Eddie seems to be surprised and a little peeved that he's not dominating the match. And at one point he briefly bails out to catch a breather until Chavo chases him and throws him back in. Uh, Eddie sees the opportunity of Chavo getting back into the ring and starts putting a beato, beating on Chavo. Um I kind of thought Lee, uh, for the most part, this is like kind of dull. Like you're you're expecting a match that one a match that features Eddie Guerrero, and two a match that's kind of like this family blood feud grudge match sort of thing, um, to have a lot of heat to it, uh, and this didn't feel like it did. Dave, this match went nearly um, twenty minutes. It, it, astonishing, like because I have much less, <laughs> I've less written about this than I had about my Steve Blackman segue. On the last, uh, on, on the that, last like, match, I said this on Twitter. I didn't hate the show, but no. the middle portion of this show, it just went and went and went. Yeah, like it. It was. I think the running time on the network was two hours forty eight minutes, and it felt every minute. It of could it. have been two hours. Like they yeah. didn't have to have these matches go no. this long. 
an awful lot of matches outstayed. I mean, the, hi- um, the highlight of this match was Bobby Heenan's hatred for the Guerrero family. Yes. Um, it reminded me, I'll talk about it in a second. Um, actually, no, I will, I will go for it right now. So uh, at one point, uh, Eddie applies the Gory special and Brain hops in uh, acting like he's never heard of Gory Guerrero, just burying him, asking him, was he asking uh, today, was he a used piano salesman or something? <laughs> And it reminded me very much, so like his hatred of the Guerrero family, obviously you can draw parallels with, with Jerry Lawler and the Hearts mm-hmm. and like how he'd constantly get on Stu and Helen's case. And then I was like, God, imagine how horrendous mid-90s Jerry Lawler commentating a feud between two members of a Mexican Latino wrestling dynasty. I watched the, no- watch the 97 Royal Rumble. You'll get an idea. Yeah, yeah. All right. Dude, the 2000 Rumble. Like, it wasn't just 90s ever he stopped oh, in. Like, the, the 2000 Rumble yes, where he's where calling clients by Chinese. Yes. Oh, my God. And I'm sure there are many examples after that. Um, yeah. Don't, don't watch old wrestling. <laughs> no, no. Or at least watch it on mute sometimes. Uh, towards the end of the match, Chavo goes up top. And Eddie, who had been playing possum, uh, gets up and runs into the ropes to... And knock him down. Chavo takes like a nasty spill. Like he like he tries to land on one leg. He's doing the sell of the knee, but like it, trying to like jump off the top rope and land on one leg seems like, especially with a straight leg, mm-hmm. seems like a recipe to try and actually pop your leg. Um, I I didn't like that at all. It just gave me kind of Sid Vicious a couple of years after this. Uh, oh, y- flashes in my. You head. mean the match we're not watching? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well yeah the match we will watch up until that spot is about to happen and then fast forward Um, Um, did you pick up on the we want flair chance yeah because they were fucking mega loud (laughs) I think it was at this point that I started to notice the crowd who had been hot earlier were starting to get some shit they they were restless you could tell about halfway through this match they were getting restless they weren't really invested in what was going on and once Mm -hmm. Eddie locks in a figure four that just sets them off yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so Eddie misses a frog splash. Chavo hits the tornado DDT, which is sort of reversed onto the ropes, but it hangs Eddie up. Uh, Eddie is selling the throw. Chavo recovers and hits a springboard tornado DDT, pins Eddie and wins. Uh, we can only hope for Eddie's sake that he moves on now uh, as we head towards the summer. Um, Tony and the lads next speculate about the tense alliance between Piper and Savage. They show the video package of Savage and Piper's tense face-off from Nitro. Next up, TV title, Booker T is back out. He's taking on Finlay. Um, Finlay comes out talking into the camera about pile-driving Booker's head through his body and doing like these really weird crotch shops. Which is foreshadowing because the finish of this match is fucking nasty. Oh my god. Oh, I, I screamed. Um, so, um, Tony says something early on here about Wolfpack rules and that, like, when the Wolfpack were tag champs, they could pick who was a tag team champion. I completely forgot about this. This was going back before Thunder. This was. Yeah, it wasn't. This wasn't tech. Like, it was members of the Wolfpack, but it wasn't. The it was Wolfpack. the Wolfpack that were in the black and white Wolfpack. Um, yeah. This was Hall, yeah, yeah. Nash, and Six. Yes. Um,. But it's just, I, I love that they're kind of like, oh yeah, sure, we all know that happened. Uh, a, mo- a modern kind of day like, free boards, if you will. Yes, indeed. 
Um, story of the match is that the fresh man Finley is out and wearing down Booker T, focusing on the leg because obviously he's a student of the game. He must have been watching the opener. During the heat segment, um, this is another instance of the crowd starting to lose their focus. Uh, somebody got kicked out of the building in the crowd mm-hmm. and like everybody on the hard cam side just stops watching the match and starts watching this dude get kicked out. And they start singing the na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. Um, and then when they get back to the match and the match is still going on and it's still holding my, my heart, yeah. my heart broke yeah. for the lads because it wasn't a bad match and they got the boring yeah. now, chance. Now, this was... Like like we say, it started as a hot crowd, but like by the end, they were almost like a w or an ECW crowd where they were just baying for yeah. something to happen. Because yeah, it, there was, I, there was I, a couple of points where they nearly t- it turned on the yeah, show. Yeah, because like uh, I think if they were a more modern audience, they one hundred percent would have like you would. This is where you would have been getting your CM Punk chance. Your this would have been like that that infamous uh, Orton Sheamus yeah. match. Thank you, Big Show, and um, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was great was that Booker and Finley immediately noticed that this was happening, um, so they went to the high impact moves. Booker hits maybe the snuggest axe kick I've seen him hit on this show. Oh, you! I, at um, this stage, I said that should be his finisher. My God! He yeah. Fucking, he kicks the back of Finley's head. My God! Yeah, it was great. Uh, and then Finley missed times a lariat that looked a bit mm-hmm. awkward. Uh, and then speaking of awkward, they were clearly on the wrong page here leading into the finish as Booker attempts to reverse Tombstone, but they fell over and it got a bit awkward for a few seconds. But then, but then, Lee, Booker hits a spike pile driver. Yeah, I've never seen a one-man spike pile driver. And then I saw this. It was gruesome. Like, I can only describe it. Um, are you familiar with Hiroshi Tenzan? I am. So, have you ever seen him do the TTD, the Tenzan Tombstone Driver? Mm-hmm. It's the sit-down variation, basically, of the pile driver. Yeah. It's similar to this in that... it Or similar, but different in that it's actually like... He picks him up for a traditional tr- pile driver, but yep. falls to the knees. But oh it appeared God. like Finley's head was not hooked at all. And yeah. I... It, it, fucking shrieked Connor was beside you, me and he was just a Jesus like it there's like scary uh, you you hit this a hundred times and this is the only time where someone doesn't get hurt like, yeah basically. Like, I, like I I was terrified watching this but what a move to like win the bet you know what I mean like it's it's proper like kind if, of if like you, bur- if you, burning hammer levels of uh, like mega fatality finisher if you want to say like this was desperation booker and this was all you had left that's fine yeah but jesus yeah. christ i've never seen somebody dropped on their head like this yeah i i, I don't really want to see it again no. but holy hell like holy hell it was a moment. steve austin was what two months after this yeah they I, i'll tell you what they get um oh wait no was steve austin up before this SummerSlam 97 Seven, sorry he was yeah yeah sorry, yeah sorry. Um, so yeah it's worse because this is after <laughs> but uh, yeah so Booker is your new champ uh, awesome stuff here next up we have uh, Lee's favourite wrestler Conan uh, with this must have been cathartic for you my friend uh, with Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude versus Bill Goldberg my fucking god Lee the Goldberg chance absolutely deafening here this is one of the 
times where the chant just starts and it does not stop. This would have been like if I had been there. This would have been like hair standing on yeah, end. Like um, he should still be unbeaten to this day. That's how <laughs> good those chants were. I loved. I loved this, and it's not because um, it was against Conan. This just like this was Goldberg at his peak. This was yeah. This was great, but <laughs> there, was, there was something that made me laugh. As this, as Goldberg's music starts and the the cameras are scanning the crowd, and you see, like there had to be like a hundred Goldberg signs to show. There was just yeah. constant Goldberg, Goldberg, Goldberg. I wonder are you going to co- come to the sign that I have noted here? And then we see one guy, and it's definitely a guy with a sign written on cardboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that says, "I'd rather be." Uh-huh. In China. Yeah. And it's not China with an I. It's China with a Y. Yeah. Wasn't there a DX segment where either Sean Sean. had... Yeah. 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 Was... uh, Yeah. Was that the one where they were in the, like, the... Yeah. yeah, It was. It was the one you're thinking of. Yeah. Grand. Um, (laughs) So there was that sign. The other one... The other one that places this show so firmly in 1998 was a Goldberg versus Super Cow poster. Oh my god. Super Cow of Cow and Chicken fame. And I will say it was a very good job of drawing Super Cow on the poster. I did not see that one. So that I knew it. Oh my god, it's amazing. It's amazing. I might get a screenshot that, that's for, a for show the show. I've not thought about in a long time. I know, yeah. Uh, it's a real throwback. Speaking of throwbacks, Bill Apter sighting at ringside. What? I did, uh, didn't take- notice. Yeah, he's taking photos on the hard cam right as this match starts. He's at ringside. I'm sure we saw the pictures in the wrestler in like December. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is for 100 and O on Goldberg's streak. I can't believe Conan uh, got that fucking milestone. Yeah. Um. But the that milestone didn't last too long. Um. Because Goldberg not getting paid by the hour here. They lock up, and Goldberg hurls K Dog across the ring. He bails out of the ring. Back in, Goldberg grabs a headlock. Um, Conan tries to escape. I, 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 it doesn't go too can well. I break this down? Yes. Goldberg locks in the headlock and goes for the knee bar. Now, we all know the, the knee bar that Goldberg does, the roll through. Oh, my, this is... Oh. Conan yeah. cannot even roll through into a fucking knee bar. All he, he has falls to do... over. Yeah, all he has to do is take a front bump and give the leg. Like, that's all he has to do. And he somehow scorpions himself, basically. It's... He fell over onto his own face. He hurt himself more than if he had yeah. just rolled with it. If you looked at this match, Lee, and I was to tell you, one of these guys is, like, barely out of the power plant a few months. And the other guy has already had a, a relatively distinguished wrestling career. You would not pick the correct no, one. No, nobody would. Yeah, like absolutely. And this is the thing I hate on I hate on Conan every time he's on the show wrestling. Yeah, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Everything I've heard about him. <laughs> All right, Alvarez is that he's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to see this guy wrestle again. 
Oh my god, although in fairness, with the way Goldberg was thrown around, I'd watch him wrestle Goldberg every week, because he fucking, oh Jesus. Goldberg couldn't even get the knee bar in properly, no. like he ends up getting him in like a calf crusher almost. Um, I felt bad for Goldberg here, this is fucking, it's awful. Yeah, he's out of place and Goldberg is manhandling him, he eventually hits a spear, but like... No, 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 hang Conan, on, hang on, hang on, the spear. Yeah, yeah. He tr- oh, it was the worst he one. He throws Conan into the corner. Conan waits. Yeah. Wait about five seconds. And then comes out too quickly, so there's not enough room between the two. Yes. Of them. But not not even that he comes out quickly. He slowly yeah. steps out with his arms in the air and yeah. walk oh, walks was... into a spear. Yeah. Oh, it was so bad. And it's like a spear from about a foot and a half it's away. So, so he basically just bad. it's basically just a double leg takedown. Yeah. There's no impact. All it was missing it, was felt... Joey style screaming cat fight. Yeah. And because one of these men is like knows what he's doing and has his head screwed on, immediately when he hits the spear to get more heat, Goldberg like walks over to Hennig and starts jaw jacking at him because obviously that's the feud that's going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Then Jackhammer pin, uh, and thankfully this match was like you know ninety seconds at best. Uh, I think this might have been, and you consider some of the men he's wrestled. This was probably the worst Goldberg match uh, we've covered on the podcast. Oh, easily. Like, he went to 100 and 0 here, and I never want to see this again. Like, yeah. Awful. And then, in the ultimate vindication for Lee, Conan then gets laid out again by Rude and Hennig. And Nash comes out to try and make the save on K Dog, and Hennig removes his shirt after a glorious two to three weeks in the Wolf Pack. <laughs> Hennig and Rude have defected back to Hollywood, as Brain implies, well, they weren't. They didn't just make the decision tonight. They were obviously like moles. Sleeper agents that set Conan up for this yeah. match. Um, then our second fabulous vignette of the night: a fabulous, fabulous commercial for our next pay per view, the Bat at the Beach. This was incredible. It was like a, a, it was like an ad for like a holiday resort that's all peaceful, and all of a sudden. Large men appear. Yep, you get some very large men. <laughs> and did you catch what one of these large men said? No. I didn't take note of it anyway. Oh my giddy ad. He just they they rock up on the beach yep. and like the music changes to be like, you know, this ain't your daddy's beach basically kind of soundtrack. And then one of the large men just goes, You ever been skinny dipping with a shark? <laughs> my god. Why? I was like, bash at the beach. And then, like, a giant comes out of the water at the all end. I, all I have notes for is that, wet giant. Yeah, wet giant says that, like, somebody's going to get messed up or something like that. But, like, after you ever skinny dip with a shark, it's hard to remember anything anymore. Now, does he mean John Tenter or does he mean an actual shark? Who knows? We'll find out at bash at the beach. Um... Next up, we have the tag match that nobody on this podcast was looking forward you to. You forgot that dickhead uh, Buffer is out as well, by the way. Oh, he is for the last two matches, getting his fucking coin. Um, God, I hate this guy. Actually, technically technically the last three matches, I guess. Um, Savage and Piper versus Hogan and Brett with the Disciple. I've decidedly... You know this guy that we're calling Bret Hart? Mm. It's not him. It's a Bruce. That's what I've decided. It's Bruce. In a... In a very much, Paul McCartney was killed and replaced many years ago by a body double. 
I am going to put forward the theory for the remainder of his run on Thunder that this isn't in fact Bret Hart and it's just some guy. And whenever I refer to him in writing in the future, I will be referring to him as Brett Not Hart. with quotation marks around his name. Just Brett. <laughs> yeah, sure it's Brett. Uh, I wrote, as they were entering, I said, this has high suck potential. Um, so as they were entering, I took some other notes. Please I do. I decided Please. to do a bit of digging. Okay. As we are all aware, three-time Tundee winner, Chris Jericho. We're big fans of his. Big yes. fans of current day, Chris Jericho. Uh-huh. Chris Jericho is 49. He sure is. So, two years ago, when he had that amazing match with Chris, with uh, Kenny Omega, he was 47. Mm-hmm. How old do you think the oldest man in this match is? I bet it's like, was it 45 or something? 46. <laughs> Randy Savage is 46 in this match. And do you know what? Like, of the f- of the four of them here, is probably in the best nick. He's the best worker in the match. Yeah, in terms of like being arsed and being like looking like a professional wrestler, he is probably number one on the list. Like Piper looks like shit, moves like shit. Hogan, it, like you know, say say what you want about how shite he is in the ring, still looks like a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Still looks like fucking Hulk Hogan. Um, and who else do we have here on the list? Um, Not Bret Hart. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Brett. how old do you uh, think Roddy Piper is on this match? Oh, it's not. It's like I tell you, he he moves. He moves worse than Jericho does now. Oh, he he is fucked at this stage. Yeah, like I mean, pedestrian, like straight, like like one of those grannies with a Zimmer frame walking across a pedestrian walking like what the fucking come on, kind of speed. Roddy um, Piper is forty four. The road alone, yeah, my Remember- friend. And it's not like there's a guy who didn't work like uh, like a massively intensive physical style. Like he's not going out there having a fucking Will Osprey. No, match, he was doing walking brawls you know? like before they were walking brawls. Yeah, but I suppose like he came up with the era where those rings were like fucking concrete, though. Now, when did Roddy Piper and Ric Flair win the tag titles? Wasn't it two thousand and five? Thousand. Oh, it could have been. So extrapolate his age so he would have been seven years older he would have been 51 so two years from now like when Chris Jericho is 51 do you think he's going to be a better worker than Roddy Piper was at that stage no for sure like it was was it 2006 it was 2006 so he's 52 so three years well, at, was it did they beat the spirit squad was it yes yeah it was Cyber Sunday 2006 I think so three years from now when Chris Jericho is 52 is he going to be better than Roddy Piper at age 52? No. Right, like, it, it's... Well, Jer- Jericho is going to be... Another, like, like, it's hard... Because, the in fairness, the Jericho... To, like, the degrading in his physical ability in the ring has happened very quickly, mm. I will say. So, you know, two or three years from now, who's to say... <laughs> Um, I think two or three years from now Chris Jericho can still be getting by and shtick whereas oh, oh, absolutely. in 2006 Roddy Piper could barely walk yeah 
Now, to be fair, by 2006, he had the cancer, hadn't he? He had. Now, and I feel bad yeah. saying that. And it was yeah. because he actually won the titles that they found it. Yeah. Um. So. But I just um, wanted to use Jericho as the example. Jericho is older now and having fucking bangers compared to these guys in 1998. Yeah. But I wonder is the thing like as well that kind of Jericho is is a, like an incredibly self-aware guy when it comes to his own limitations now that he knows he's having the story match whereas like I think I think like Piper and and Hogan and them are coming out to try and get by on the same shtick they were doing in the but, 80s. Yeah, maybe. But I mean and, and not changing. I mean maybe it's a modern wrestling thing but like you still have guys like uh Mojizuki and Dragon Gate. He's 50 this year. Minoru Suzuki. Yeah. Minoru Suzuki is 50 51 I think actually yeah um, mm. La Parca like yeah true what is it that this guy these guys that are probably the same age as most WWE main eventers now are just yeah. like phoning it in I mean yeah and you can't even say that like in you know because of Jericho you can't say like maybe it's the partying lifestyle that, that let Piper down because like Jericho is a man who parties. I'll tell you that. He, um, he's like your man from uh, Futurama. Zap Brannigan. No, the, the party guy. Um, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Fucking. His, his, heel, his heel character always is very Zap Brannigan to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fair show. It's very kiff. I've made it with a woman. Alert the men. <laughs> like, <it's... laughs> um, uh, actually, I can't see that now, actually. <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> um, so this match starts off with the like the, the worst combination possible. Hogan and Piper, the two least mobile men of the four uh, in the ring. Piper is stalling for ages, spits at Bret Hart, then bum rushes Hogan. Savage comes in and then Piper again. So they're doing a bit early on here where the tactic or the, the thing that's being put across is the faces are actually melding well as a tag team. Sorry, sorry can I just interrupt? Um, it's Slurms McKenzie. Slurs McKenzie with, that's with the uh, Hawaiian short, the shades. Yeah. That's Jericho. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, so yeah, they're co- they're cornering off Hogan, keeping him isolated, and actually acting like a good team. Then the heels come in, get the upper hand. They start doing the same thing, cornering off Piper. Uh, Brain calls Savage Captain Crazy, which I, I'm I'm I I'm surprised wasn't a line of merchandise. Um, hot tag to Savage hot, hot tag to Savage but like Hogan is feeding this hot tag so slowly that it's just like the it just dies the, the, the hype for the hot tag dies the match is a fucking mess it's just lads walking about lazily smacking each other in the head the mm-hmm. odd time um, Disciple uh, on the outside goes and hits Piper with a belt Hogan batters Savage's bad knee off the ring post Piper recovers and ambles very slowly over to attack Hogan while Brett locks in the sharpshooter on Savage who taps. I actually would have appreciated more of the finish of this match was uh, <laughs> Piper is so slow and immobile that he can't walk quick enough into the <laughs> ring to break up. And he's actually still like, he's walking for ages, like just shuffling. Speaking of um, speaking of Futurama, kind of like Professor Farnsworth. Yes. And like by the by the time Savage stop, taps, he's still like fifteen twenty feet away from him. I was more thinking uh, uh, Grandpa Simpson and um, oh, what's his mate in the retirement home? Jasper. Jasper. That's a battle. 
<laughs> um, and then after this, after they've already had one match, who is excited to see Gast Roddy Piper versus Gast Randy Savage? My God, how sweaty were these two men? Oh my God, it, they made Brock look. You know, dry I mean, like a I mean, we just saw Brock do what half an hour in Rumble. Yeah, and that was that man he, was like a wet beat. He turned various shades of different colors. He was puce. Whereas Roddy um, Piper, by the end of the second match, which only went what three minutes, two minutes. Yeah, I, I, was, I, he looked so blown up that he looked like one of those marathon runners that just like loses control of their bowels or starts <laughs> throwing up or Jesus something like that. Christ. <laughs> Like, that's how exhausted he looks. Like they're, they're trying um, to sell it at the end of the match that he's oh he's so annoyed and he's so angry. The man just looked yeah. like he wanted to lie down. Yeah, Mean Gene is out for an interview in between the matches. Piper is selling like he doesn't want the match, probably because he just wants to go have a fucking lie down. <laughs> uh, but Savage goes at him too fast for for that to be a consideration. Savage is limping but still using the leg to try and choke Piper. The man, the man's he's insane. Just so crazy. Yeah. yeah. He manages to get up and hit the elbow. Uh, when it doesn't get the three count, uh, Savage gets angry, takes the ref out. Hang on, we, we um, have to say, Charles Robinson takes the best bump on the show. Oh, uh, you gotta love the little mate. He definitely takes a better bump than any of the four men in the previous match, that is for sure. Um, Piper fights back, applies a figure four leg lock, Mickey J is out and Savage taps. Interesting enough how many figure four spots have been on this show. Um, next, we have... Our main event of the evening, Lee. It's Giant with his cigarette versus Sting. This is new, isn't it? Yes. The the the, the Giant smoking gimmick goes on for a little while. And I think it's funny looking back now on Giant smoking and the infamous photo of Giant on his own vaping at the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. <laughs> so it's good, good to see he's off that stuff now. But he's coming out smoking because he's a real cool Do guy. Said. He he's what? that kid in school, you know when you'd be on your like your your twenty minute break in the morning and you're out you're out yeah. in the yard and like there's what, there's two or three teachers in the yard. Yeah. So he's that kid that goes, Fuck it, I don't care and he sparks up yeah. in front of the teachers yeah. and everyone just goes Yeah. Sparks up Ooh. Uh, <laughs> And he's one of those fellas that definitely shouldn't be trying to grow facial hair, but still has like a couple of just like wistful yeah wistful pubes of a yeah. beard <laughs> like and uh, everyone just uh, like, oh, oh no you're crazy yeah a pathetic shout of a beard um but yeah he's out and he's wrestling sting sting early on attempts on. a cross body what, block but just what kind did of, you think of sting with the red and black and the wolf pack music and uh i missed the crow theme Yee. is what i have to say about that and i never liked the 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 red and black face paint i think it looked like he was like something of a cheap horror movie okay see i agree i hate red and black thing yeah now i like if if he'd incorporated the red and black into his gear but kept the white yes, face paint that's what i was just about I, to say. I know you see, I know the colour scheme thing is tough because the other NWO is black and white, so you probably do have to do something. And it's a couple see, of years early, so it wouldn't seem like you're ripping off, but if you reversed the colours and did mainly black with a little see, bit of red, I, it would look cooler. It would have been fucking he would look like Darth Maul. Instead Mo. of having the like the red, like full on red with the little black accents, he could have changed up the face yeah. paint. And gone yeah. back to like surfer style surfer sting style face paint. 
just he didn't, anything. He didn't really. need the like the full on red face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never really liked it that much, uh, even though I, I acknowledged the constraints by the color scheme that they probably felt they had. Um, so, yeah, there's a whole lot of nothing this match. Uh, Sting attempts a cross body block, but splats off the giant. Um, whole, yeah, giant is, on, giant is on offense and I died, the crowd died. But uh, in fairness to them, because Sting is a really big star and they really like Sting, as soon as uh, Sting mounts the comeback and starts staggering the giant, they get really into it mm. again. Hits a huge scoop slam, which gets an enormous pop. I think like, uh, giant um, getting slammed will never not be a big thing. Yeah. yeah. I sure it was like a big thing when, do you remember when Cesaro picked him up and threw him out of the mm-hmm. Battle Royal uh, at 30? Like, it's still, yeah, it's still a big deal to this day and that's partly then like you know in fairness for the shite WWE have put him through with you know flipping back and forth in his character and some of the horrible storylines he's been incidentally I saw that re- I'm, I'm going to quote tweet it because I can't remember the actual account and I wanted to give them a shout out but you can now get an enamel pin that is uh, boss man dragging big show on his father's what? coffin in the what? cop car yeah yeah yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you and I'm going to put it out on the Twitter account because I reference on the show and I want people to, to see this like one of my favourite terrible angles of all time um, Big Show and his dad and, and Big Boss Man's poetry about it great oh, shit that's brilliant. We, um, we have to get them so uh, Giant uses his big strong legs uh, to power out of the death lock uh, Sting hits him with two death drops in pretty quick succession um, they don't get the job done, but eventually Giant has him up on his shoulders, and from the Giant's shoulders, way up in the air, he hits a third Scorpion Death Drop, and that does the job. And this creates an interesting wrinkle in my brain that I, because we don't do research, I didn't intend to look up, so in my head I'm leaving this as a kind of like, this was probably a conversation that had to happen at some point with people who keep records of championship reigns so with this win and becoming one half of the tag team champions either sting has had two tag team title reigns in spite of not losing them or he's had one continuous tag title reign that he had to win twice i think it's two title reigns isn't it yes i i think it is two title reigns but this is like this reminds me very much of like the 2000, is it 2006 where TNA kept hot-shotting the world title around and no one was actually being pinned to lose it. Yes. Because they had the thing that titles could change on the disqualification. Wasn't, wasn't that where like someone, Abyss won the title by DQ against Sting? Then some, I think AJ I think so, Styles uh, beat Abyss without pinning him. And then was someone stripped of the belt as well? It was a real spicy time for, for hot shot and titles but then Good. we've got 2000 WCW coming ahead where I think there was like 27 title switches and it was or booked like by that. the very same person but yeah I know funny how these things work isn't it Um, so commentary as uh, Sting is going out with both belts commentary suspects that Sting already knows whose partner is going to be T's obviously being that he will announce it on Nitro and then to close the show we get another repeat of the commercial for Batch at the Beach with the skinny dipping with the shark <laughs> that brings to a close uh, Great American Bash 1998 Lee I'm going to hit you for your winners and losers of the pay-per-view winners Bill Goldberg Booker T two winners on the show yeah yeah, I think 
Goldberg as the undeniable big star and Booker T as hands down the best wrestler on the show. Um, especially now that we're doing the thing where unless he has an exceptional week, we can't just default and give it to Jericho. Uh, biggest loser, it's got to be. I, I I think I know who you're going to say, but hit me with it anyway. Conan? Yeah. <laughs> it had to be. It's Co- it's Conan or it's, it's maybe Piper. Yeah, Piper in spite of winning looks like a fucking chump, doesn't he? Yeah, because Piper did double duty and looked trash in both. Yeah, that's true. Uh, at least Conan was only dreadful for 90 seconds. Sorry of his life, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, before we close up here, I'm going to say, I'm uh, going to give us our, our other traditional thing, and that's the... F- I forgot we had given it an official name, and it's the Finnish Counter, brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Uh, on this show, we had 10 professional wrestling encounters. Six had clean finishes. One finished by DQ or countout. Two finished with interference leading directly to the finish and one with miscellaneous shenanigans. Um, Relatively clean show. Yeah, like like I said before, this won't be egregious straight off the bat in 1998 keeping track of these, but I think it's going to be interesting to see the closer we get to the death rattle of WCW, how these matches shift from clean finishes Mm -hmm. uh, to shenanigans all day long. Um. yeah so that's going to do it for Great American Bash 1998 here on, on Days of Thunder and we start the road to Bash at the Beach in two weeks Um, follow us please on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod as we talked about at the top of the show we do a lot of interaction on there whether it's the Thundies or any number of things that we like to chat with the Thunder Buddies about we really I I know we say it every week but we absolutely love hearing back from people listening to the show and and interacting with them on there it really keeps us going Um, and hearing your memories of WCW or you know what you're thinking about the podcast which is I think Lee I think we can safely say like the Thunder Buddies are helping shape the podcast for for us because we're we're getting good feedback Mm -hmm. on on what you think works what you're enjoying and what you're not enjoying um and all of it really helps us make a a better show and uh that's going to be important because as the thunders get worse we're gonna have to to carry these episodes to a four-star match um if we are able to so interact with us on there individually um, i'm at reddit we also post all the shows to reddit so if you're on reddit yes vote and uh Help us yeah, on the, spread the, the, it, the virus that is Thunder. Yeah, it's on the, uh, I believe it's r slash WCW, the yep. WCW subreddit. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the fine people on there who have uh, warmly welcomed us on there uh, as we, we post the show and people seem to be digging it over there. So thank you very much for that. Um, individually, I'm at the day to Dave on, on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Um, we shall see you in two weeks talking about our, our first proper Thunder episode of 2020, that being Thunder episode 21. But until then, take a break, sit down. We're all back in the saddle now, back to regularly scheduled programming. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode of Days of Thunder. In your heart. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you